baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and you know who else accompanies us at that time. It is senior producer from NFL Films, co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show, Greg Cosell, whose weekly segment is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Greg it's like bowl season here in week 17. This is the granddaddy of them all here on on the weekend of week 16. Nothing comes close to this one. It's the only game with two teams with a winning record. Well, it, it's a pretty big game. I'm actually really looking forward to this game. I hope it lives up to the billing, Brownie, because it's uh, it's one I've been really looking forward to. Yeah, these two teams, It's this, it's tied for the most combined wins in a matchup of any Monday night football in NFL history with a San Francisco Denver game back in 97. So wow. Lots of wins in this one. This is a great one. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? How, give us a little synopsis of how these two, two teams mesh and what are some of the key questions that you have when you look at the X's and O's? Boy, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, Steve. Um, I guess let's, let's start with uh, the Bengals offense. Um, I think a number of things stand out when you look at their offense. Number one is Burrow is a really aggressive thrower outside the numbers. So when you when he feels there's one-on-ones with Chase or Higgins outside the numbers and the safeties would not be a factor in the throw, he's going to throw the ball. And it doesn't always have to be a vertical route. It could be out routes. But he attacks outside the numbers. And now you're going to get into a situation where White – Davius White and uh, I guess Jackson and Elam, if they continue uh, playing an equal, relatively equal number of snaps, they'll have a pretty serious burden in this game. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting they'll lose those matchups, but you have to be prepared that he's going to work outside the numbers if you get one-on-one matchups. That really stands out about Burrow. Um, the other thing that really stands out about Burrow is just the efficiency with which he plays. Um, he's really good on third down. He's a, he's really, uh, and this speaks in some ways, which we can talk more about to the contrast between the two quarterbacks. Burrow is a kind of an, a subtle, nuanced, detailed player. Everything about the way he plays looks, I don't want to say easy because it's never easy, but he never looks under duress. He never looks as if anything's happening too fast. He just looks as if he's always in control and in command, and he knows where to go with the football. Um, Now, I'm very curious to see uh, the the right tackle situation. 
he has learned over the course of this year and, and probably through last year as well, sort of how to navigate through playing behind a not great offensive line. I think he had to learn that at the NFL level, and he's done that. Uh, and his movement within the pocket is really high level. He has an innate feel to, for doing that. So, you know, you're dealing with a really good passing game and a quarterback who's really got high-level traits, the, the, the nuanced quarterback traits. Yeah, I would argue, Greg, that his game this year, you know, yards per attempt for him is down, yards per completion for him is down. Maybe that's slightly a byproduct of the absence of Chase from the lineup for about a month with the hip injury, but I'm of the belief that he is more willing – to take the checkdowns and the layups yep. this year. His game almost resembles, it's Brady-esque almost in a way this year, it seems. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that's also just a, uh, a a development in his game, a positive development in his game, because he is an aggressive thrower. That's why I mentioned outside the numbers. Those throws are, are not really risky throws because you're not throwing into the, into the heat of coverage, um, you know, the cauldron of fire, as it were. Um, but yes, I think that he's developed more in, an understanding of wh what you can take, when you can take it, when you can be aggressive, when you don't have to be aggressive. Um, and I think that just comes with experience. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a really strong processor. He sees things before the snap. He knows where to go with the ball. Now, he is aggressive at times and once in a while will throw some picks. Um, and, you know, ideally, you'd like to be in a situation where you can maybe create that. But for the most part, he's just a really highly efficient ball distributor and executor of a pass game. And then you've got the three wideouts. Can he, is there a, a huge differentiation between the T. Higgins, really good player, Tyler Boyd, a really, really good player, good. and then, of course, Jamar Chase. And then, then you watch the New England game, and you got this guy, Trenton Irwin, who shows up out of nowhere, yeah. you know, right? So uh, they have got. I mean, they've got guys out there, right, Greg? And that's what and they are the yeah. they're an elite group. Yeah, they've got three guys that would be considered, you know, in the top group at their position. You know, Chase is certainly special when healthy. Higgins, to me, I, I remember watching him coming out of Clemson, and I, I thought much more of him than others did. I guess he was a second round pick, and a lot of people dinged him for running, I guess, a four five seven or a four five eight. But he's six three two sixteen. And one thing I learned years ago, Stephen, and and you can appreciate this being a wide receiver and, and you know understanding the position is stride length is a trait. So when a guy is six three two sixteen, just because he's a four five eight as opposed to a four four four. Those guys eat up ground in a hurry. And I learned that years ago when I started really evaluating receivers and didn't understand that and would ding receivers and then be wrong once they got to the NFL. You know, but he's a guy that, you know, if he has free access off the line of scrimmage, he eats up a lot of ground fast um, and he can get on top of you. And Burrow has no problem, as we're seeing here, giving him an opportunity to make contested catches because he's very good at the catch point at the moment of truth. So they have two really good wideouts. And then you're dealing with Boyd, who is a really, really good slot receiver. He can work inside extremely well. Um, and, you know, sometimes based because the, the Bills are a, a, a nickel defense, rarely play dime. They played a few snaps this week, but they're not really a dime defense. By formation, you can sometimes get Boyd versus nickel where he runs those inside routes against a linebacker. And they'll, they feel very, very good about that, obviously.
All right. So you mentioned how aggressive Burrow is outside the numbers, you know, when they get man coverage. Why would any defense play much of single high safety at all against this passing game? Wouldn't you just cover two this well, thing up yeah. most of the day or? Well, it's not, it's not Brownie always, it doesn't have to be single high. I mean, yeah. if you're a quarters team, you know, again, now you're getting into what coverage they want to play. Theoretically cover two, theoretically cover two would take care of some of that. Although you do get the outside void in cover two right. and Burrow will throw that, the little Turkey shot, you know, but if you want to play quarters, you know, if you line up in a two by two set as an offense versus quarters, you know, if you run number two vertically, that safety has to match him. So it still becomes, in a sense, one on one on the outside. So you can create that through formation and use of your personnel on the route concepts. You can create one on one on the outside, even versus zone coverage. Um, so and now we're getting you know, the bottom line point is you're getting to situational football. You know, ideally you would like to be in situations where it's third and eight, you know, you want that against anybody, but you really want it more against these kinds of teams because when they're, when they can be proactive with their use of formations and route concepts, they're a difficult offense to defend. What, who, what defenses have had the most success against them? Um, And, and how does that happen? I, I sense their offensive line isn't as dominant as you'd like to have it. No, uh, and maybe not. that's it's the not. maybe that's the key to this whole thing is putting Joe yeah. under duress. You, you need to put him under duress, and even though he doesn't look like he's playing fast when he's under duress, obviously he does speed up when he's under duress. That's just natural for a quarterback because no quarterback uh, really likes to get hit. Although I remember your old guy telling me when I interviewed him. Uh, years, a hundred years ago, Jim Kelly saying, I don't feel good about a game until I get hit. And I'm thinking to myself, you're nuts. But, uh, anyway, most quarterbacks do not like to get hit. And, uh, um, and, you know, certainly Burrow is that guy, but so you really want to be able to generate some pressure, make him speed up a little bit. Um, like I said, he will turn it loose. So he's had some games this year. Uh, I know he had four interceptions week one against the uh, the Steelers. That seems like a very, very long time ago. He's not thrown a lot of interceptions since then, but he is aggressive, and that can happen. Let's flip it around. What do the Bengals defend? I mean, they're good at disguise. We know that. Yeah. Um, That's, yeah. Anna Rumo likes to you know spin the dial on quarterbacks, give a much different look post-snap than pre-snap. Um, Absolutely. Who are – I know Von Bell's gonna been a prime player for them for a while, but who who are the the main actors in that disguise category? Yeah, uh, just one quick point before I answer that is he's a good adjuster too, Lou Anaramo. You'll see him make changes throughout the game. Uh, you know, very often you, you watch teams come out at halftime and you really have no idea because the adjustments are so subtle and nuanced and you don't really know. With him, you can really see that he makes adjustments at halftime. Uh, so that's another thing to be aware of. He's a very good in-game adjuster. Um, it, it, it appears as if Hubbard might be back this week. So, you know, certainly Hedrickson is is a good pass rusher. Um, he's someone you do have to be concerned about in, in, in those down and distance situations where it's pass rush. Um, you know, Hubbard is a really good athlete. They use him on stunts a lot as the looper. He's really flexible and bendy. Um you know, in the run game, Reader is really a, a man inside, and we'll see how the Bills choose to play this week coming off a game in which Singletary and, and Cook combined 23 for 205, and I think they need to continue to try to have the run game be a somewhat meaningful part of their offense. Um, and then 
in the secondary. They're not a high percentage man team, but they do play man on third down. Now, the question is, would they continue to do that this week with Josh? Um, because on third down, they're a dime team and they bring in Trey Flowers, a big corner, and he is their dime. And they like to play man and match him up to tight ends. Um, and that's kind of their M.O. So the question is. What's the Josh Allen factor in this game? Will they continue to do that, Brownie? Or is this a game because of Josh that you don't see that as much? Yeah, yeah that's that's the big question. And, and that's what this is always going to come down to. Both teams have tremendous players, great depth. And it's you got to watch this matchup. I mean, uh, uh. last one for me, Greg, before we go. The Bills have shown the ability to win games in different ways this year. They ran it. They've, Correct. They've, they've done the long ball, the short ball, the big play, grind it out. Um and are the are what if there is something that the Bills could win this game with that my that Cincinnati is not that great at that they could exploit? What would it be? Well, to me, and it's not a matter of Cincinnati not being great at. I don't think they're great on defense at one thing. I think they're really solid. I, and, and they've been doing more with him in recent weeks. I think Dawson Knox could be a factor in this game. Um, you know, they've been using him a little more. Now, a lot of that's been against zone, and that's fine. That's what Cincinnati plays on early downs. You know, they've been using him with flood concepts where he's the intermediate route runner, getting to it in different ways, whether he's on the slide, side of the flood concept, whether he's coming from the other side, flood opposite, as I call it. You know, I think he could be a guy to look for in this game. I think there'd be opportunities for Dawson Knox in this game. Greg, as always, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us as always. I'm assuming this is going to be a big part of your uh, NFL uh, yeah, matchup a, show. Yeah, it was a full segment game, Brown. You assumed right. Yeah. It's the best game on the schedule, yeah. obviously. Kind of a no-brainer. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks as yeah, always, thanks, Greg. Greg. Have a happy new year. We'll catch up with you next week. Same team. All right, that's Greg Cosell joining us here, senior producer from NFL Films. We take a break when we return. We'll be joined in studio by Bills guard Ryan Bates. He's coming your way next year on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And joining us in studio, Bills guard Ryan Bates. He's one of our fresh off-the-field interviews brought to you by Austin Air, the official clean air provider of the Buffalo Bills. How we doing, Rye? Doing great. How are you? Good, nice. good. Good to see Get you. a little respite from the weather. You got a nice 50-degree practice day. You're out on the grass field. It's, it's beautiful today. Did, you actually, did you guys actually sweat out there today? No, <laughs> I'm sweating right now. Because I'll tell you what, it's not easy to do when it's zero. No, it's not easy to do. Last last game, I wasn't sweating at all. Yeah, oh I was going to say, did you no. even? I don't think I even showered after the game. I did shower after the game. <laughs> I just want to make that. We're going to start yeah, calling you, you Big Dirty yeah. to go but with Little Dirty. You did it out of habit, right? I did it out of habit, Yeah, I get it. Yeah. We were talking in the break. So many things change when you get into a game that is like dangerous, bitter, cold, zero, that, like it was in, in Chicago. It is windy. Mm -hmm. um, what was the thing that you're going to take away from that game? Like, gosh, I gotta do, like, I'm going to do this different next time or anything like that? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. That out there for you or um, I'm happy I did this. 
So I'm happy. I'm usually not a sleeves guy, right. uh, but given the fact it was negative 15 degrees with the wind chill, I, f I felt that I had to wear uh, some, put some, right. put some sleeves on. I wore the skull cap as well. Um, but you mentioned the wind. The wind was the worst part of it. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, if it was no wind at all, I would go no sleeves, no problem whatsoever. Right. But because of the wind, it was such yeah, strong wind. You could, we could see the it refs' was like pants cutting, rippling. It like was like cutting on your skin. Like yeah. Felt like little paper cuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, so we we could tell that it was. Um, yeah, when, when you're out there, your internal furnace, if there's no wind, your internal furnace kind of gets you okay, yes. right? But yes, I actually wore, this is the first time I did this, I actually wore some scuba gear on underneath. Oh, oh you did? You okay. Yeah. Um, it was kind of short. They weren't meant for tall people, so my belly button was sticking out. But <laughs> my belly button was cold, but everything everything else right. was warm. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, but I, I, I was happy I, I, uh, I took the necessary precautions I to I think do that. Josh mentioned that in his press conference last week, that some guys – Wear some of those. I guess Brady used to wear them when he yeah, was up in New guys, England. There's a lot of guys. A lot of guys this past game I was wearing them. Okay. I know that's. Um, it's great because it is a little bit airtight and it holds it in and it completely busts the wind. Mm -hmm. But the the problem is, you, sometimes you can't lift. You know, they're made for flopping your feet in the wind in the water, not for raising your knees to your yeah. You know, above your waist to run. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you get bound up. With it, no problem like that. With you no, I wasn't wearing anything. I was nothing on the bottom. I had nothing on the bottom. No, yeah. it was really just I wore the over the top one. It was yeah. just a cut off. Yeah. No sleeves. No sleeves. Did you cut the? Did you cut it off mid? -drill? No, no that, just was that, just, tall. that was just, just that I was tall, just a little huh? bigger than what the I guess necessary <laughs> people usually wear. I mean, yeah, I can buy right off the rack. I don't know if you can. You can no, probably not. I usually have to buy clothes online and yeah. shoes as well. They don't carry my size in stores. All right, so walk me through this, Ryan. Walk me through this. Just the mental mindset. Last week. You knew you were going to be in the pivot, um, you know, with Mitch and concussion protocols. So you get a full practice week. That's the best case scenario. Yes, best case scenario. Um, you know, this week, Mitch says he's going to play Monday night. He's out of the protocol. That's all good news. So mm -hmm. you get to go back to guard. Yeah, back to home base. But I think yeah. you got to always have the mindset that center is always a possibility for you because you never know what's going to happen in mm -hmm. a game. So how is how is last week's mindset? Different from this week's mindset going back to home base, knowing the possibility exists to flip back into the pivot. You know, I really don't change my mindset depending on the week. Um, I prepare for a game how I usually prepare. Um, if I'm playing center, I might watch a little bit more film just because of different types of pressures, the, you know, watching the nose guard, what his tails are, you know, where his feet are flipped or not, you know, we're just watching the angles. Uh, and I do the same thing as guard, but I think at center – I have to watch like both sides of the ball, yeah. and so I wind up. Right. I find myself watching a little bit more film as opposed to just the right side. Okay. Um, I kind of treat every week, depending, no matter if I'm playing center or guard, the same gotcha. for the most part, with the exception of the fact that the film I just I just mentioned. Um, but I'm, I'm always ready to go in at center. Yeah. Know? We yeah, we spoke uh, to we heard uh, Ken Dorsey talk today to the media, and they were asking about you know why the bust out game in Chicago and the run game. What are your thoughts about? How that happens. Certainly, you guys played really well up front. Mm -hmm. We're getting to the second level and that kind of thing. Plus, you know, whenever you get the backs to the second level, the good thing they weren't even happen. getting touched on half. Mm -hmm. They were at the second level. They haven't even touched. <clears throat> you yet. knew you knew Chicago had struggled in that going in. How much did film tell you about what you were going to be able to do? Um, so when we got out there on the field, it kind of threw our because it was going to be so windy. We knew we were going to run in a little bit more because it was so mm -hmm. cold. Um, but the ground kind of changed things because the, the, the grass wasn't – it was concrete. 
Yeah, the footing well, was different. I went out there. I think Chicago's notoriously known for not having the best field, especially this late in the year in the season. Um, and then given the weather, the circumstances were, you know, it was negative 15. Yeah. And so it literally felt like you were playing on concrete out there. And so I think it was a little tough for the defenders to, to you know, change, change direction. Okay. Our backs did an unbelievable job of keeping their shoulders under their toes, not getting overextended, not, you know, um, they did a great job cutting and, you know, finding those holes. And because we weren't, we didn't have, you know, the, the starting five, we were shifting around a little bit. We knew communication was going to be a big part of this game, yeah. especially in the run game. And we knew that they, they, have, they, did, they do a lot of 3-5 pirates, a lot of star pressure, a lot of movement up front. And so we, we were aware of that going into the game. And so yeah. we knew we had to keep our shoulders under our toes, be balanced, you know, use our extensions, use our hands as weapons, and that's just exactly what we did, and it all worked out. Yeah, don't right. get over your skis kind of yeah. game. Like, don't do that. Because you couldn't, you couldn't grab the ground with your cleats and really push So otherwise, you'd, it's almost like, like being on roller skates if you got over it. feel like you're walking on tile. I mean, your cleats didn't, dig, you didn't even sink Yeah, in. imagine putting uh, some cleats on and going trying to play basketball on, on the wood floor. Right, that's, that's what yeah, it felt like. That's wow. what, and I'll tell you what, that, <clears throat> it happened to me a lot because I only weighed like a buck eighty For a guy that weighs three bills – I can't believe your cleats won't even go on the ground. Yeah, it was hard. I, pre-game, I put my longer cleats on thinking it was going to help. It didn't help. It made it worse. Oh, okay. And so That's I, went back, I went back in and I changed my cleats because I, I have my turf cleats and my grass cleats. My grass cleats are a little bit longer. I might wear the seven studs and my turf cleats. That's, that's crazy. I, went, I did a game in Chicago um, as, a, as a, an analyst, and I'm down there on the field, and this, you know, the grounds guy from Chicago came over and gave me this 10-minute dissertation about how they heat the field. To keep it from freezing, mm. was it busted? I don't think it was working. It must have been busted. Our <laughs> our benches were actually not working. Our, our heated benches. Oh my gosh! But they got it working the second half, thank God. But for the first half, we were sitting over there not. It's a little. It sounds a little nefarious, right? Sketchy, yeah. Um, you got an interesting matchup on the front here. DJ Reader is a load. <laughs> um, yeah, you say that again. He, yeah. Well, he is. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's a problem for everybody. Um, a guy you guys on the interior have to account for, no doubt. I know Mitch has some familiarity with him. He played against him in the Houston playoff game back in 2019. Hmm. So I know he's seen him before up close and personal. When you have a guy like that that is so difficult to move, because um, those guys aren't a dime a dozen in this league anymore. Those mm -hmm. big gargantuan nose yeah. tackles like we remember, like Ted Washington in the late 90s here in Buffalo – those two, those true like two gap guys aren't there and aren't as plentiful, I should say, mm -hmm. anymore. When you run into one, is it is it an adjustment at least for the first couple of series? Because it's not a guy that you normally see every week, or is it just like oh, you know we've seen these guys here and there before? We you know we're ready. We have a game plan and we go. Yeah, so we have our game plan. We're ready to do what we need to do. Uh, we know what we need to do. We know we, we, what we want to do. Um, he, at the end of the day, you know he's a good defensive lineman. Yeah, I'm not going to take that away from him. But they're just spots at the end of the day. You know, we, we know we played some great D linemen. Yeah. You know, like the Kenny Clarks, the Chris Joneses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Aaron, Aaron Donald. Yes. Yeah. And so it's nothing. We've gone against a bunch of good defensive linemen. We're going to go out there. We're going to do our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck. Well, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Of course. It. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah. Real quick, before you go, though, I, I got to ask you because I remember when you came here, um, you know, you're an undrafted rookie in Philly. You come here via trade. And I'm in the locker room. It's his first day in. And I was like, well, how you doing? How's the flight in? And he's like, my girlfriend is still back uh, in Philly. Yeah. I got to get her up here. We got to find out where we're living. Is it crazy? Like, how crazy is it to think about that day 
and like where you are now. You know, you got a nice contract, and you know things are things are rolling for you, man. You're a week, you're a, you know week. You're in the starting lineup now. I mean, what what could you have envisioned all of this back then? Like you oh, have God, goals, no. obviously, but I tell everyone this: uh, being getting traded was the best thing at, at the time. I had no idea what the heck was going on. Yeah, I thought right. it was a bad thing. You know, why do they don't want me? Yada yada. I'm getting traded. It's the best thing that ever could have happened to me. You never know where your path's gonna go, where your career's gonna lead, yeah. and it's all about the opportunity. I got an opportunity. I made the made the most of it, and I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, made the most of it yeah. for sure. Yeah. So congrats Absolutely. to you, congrats and to you. you know, I know these guys are happy to have you, and we're glad to have you in studio. Thanks for spending some time with oh, us. Of we course, thanks for having me on Monday night. That is. Ryan Bates joining us here, fresh off the field. We'll let him get a shower in and, uh, you know, get some film in and do your thing. We'll take a break. Uh, are we taking a break? No. We're, we're going good. to Leslie Frazier. Okay, <laughs> Leslie Frazier addressing the media now after practice. Here is Coach. How big of a challenge is a three-headed attack, a wide receiver like the Bengals present? Well, they, they, they've got some really good receivers, and the quarterback is, is a good player as well. Uh, it definitely presents some issues for you, but I think our guys are looking forward to the challenge, and we'll have our hands full. I mean, they, they, all three of those guys are very, very good at what they do. I know you say, I don't want you to give strategy away, but I know you often say, we're going to kind of play our game, and regardless of who your opponent is, do you have, can you still stick to that, considering this is such a unique situation with the talent that they have at the wide receiver spot? I think you, t you can to a degree, John, but uh, you do have to, you know, look at some different things at times just because of the, the level uh, of talent and the way they're spread out. It's not like it's one guy, one featured guy, or two guys. I mean, and the running back's pretty good as well. I mean, Mixon does a good job uh, coming out of the backfield. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to be who you are and what has helped us to be a, a good defense. So you can't completely get away from what you what you do best, and you know we'll see how it all works out. Even though you uh, haven't played them since 2019, they played AFC East. I mean, in what scouting for upcoming the Browns and other teams this year, have you kind of been able to keep a familiarize yourself a little bit with the Bengals because they've been on the film? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but no, I mean for us, it's all about that opponent, and and you put so much energy. And effort into preparing for that opponent. So, I, no, I really, my familiarity began this week when we started our preparation. Well, just what, do you, why do you think he has become so good at getting the ball out of his hands? I, I, I would imagine some of it has to do with the emphasis that the coaches are playing on getting the ball out. Um, you know, they've had some, some sacks over the year, and one of the ways to reduce that is getting the ball out fast. And, and having complementary routes to that. And the coaches and the quarterback, they've done a really good job of adjusting and getting the ball out and then having routes to complement getting the ball out. So uh, really smart on their part, and we've got to do some things to try to combat that. How do you feel like the relationship between Dane and Kyrie has been going the last week? I think uh, for Dane and Kyrie, they both have done a good job for us, um, both tackling and playing the ball down the field and, and just you know, getting some of those attacks off of uh, the corner opposite Tredavis. So now this week is a different challenge, as John mentioned earlier, uh, because of the, the talent and how spread out it is. Uh, but they both have done a good job for us. Leslie, team-wide uh, tackling, missed tackles has been a topic at times this season. 
Where do you feel like the team is at right now uh, in, in that regard? You know, really feel good about the way we tackled this past weekend, Jay. That was uh, impressive. I mean, that was an offense that was averaging 189 yards rushing. And for our guys to hold them to 80 yards and 2.8 yards per carry, you got to be tackling well. And uh, you're right, there have been some games where we didn't tackle as well or we weren't where we needed to be gap-wise. Uh, but in large part, overall, we've done a good job of being where we're supposed to be in tackling. We just got to make sure that we're consistently doing it, uh, much like we did this past weekend. And along those lines, I know it, it can be somewhat subjective, missed tackles, right, depending on who's looking at it. But there are some numbers that suggest Tremaine has only missed one tackle all this season. I don't know if your numbers would back that up, but if you could maybe speak to the growth that he's shown in being a sure tackler as your middle linebacker. I mean, that's so key to what we do on defense, having a, a middle linebacker who is a sure tackler because he's so often at the point of attack. Um, our defensive line has done a good job for us. Uh, and when they have struggled being in their gaps, that, that puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers. But uh, they've done a good job of being gap sound uh, for the most part of this season. And that allows Tremaine, when he's at the point of attack, to make those plays because he is a sure tackler. And, uh, that is growth from his first year to where he is currently. Uh, tremendous growth in bringing his feet, using his hands, uh, putting his eyes on a target, taking great angles to the football. These are all improvements over the last couple of years. And, and this year in particular, he's taken a big leap. Uh, and some of it, I think, uh, is his confidence as well. He's, he's more confident. Uh, he's stronger now. Uh, and he's more experienced. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But he is for sure a good tackler. When you're watching Trey out there, how far off do you feel like he, obviously coming back from an ACL injury is no easy task, but do you see him improving with each game? How far off do you feel like he is from being his full self, just from what you're able to watch? I think he's really close, Elena. I don't know, uh, like I said before, if he'll get to that Pro Bowl player that we saw before the injury, because for most guys it takes at least a full year uh, to get back to where you were playing. And he's only been on the field, what, maybe three, four weeks, at, I think. Uh, so, but what I see is his confidence level has grown. Uh, he's, there's much less trepidation when it comes to getting out of my break, putting my foot in the ground and planning and driving him. A lot of things that early on when he began to play, uh, he was thinking a lot, you know, what's going to happen if I push off on this foot? What's going to happen if I break in this direction? That's kind of gone now. So he's playing a lot more freer. And I think he's playing better. Uh, and that's what you were hoping for when he got back on the field. He began to improve, you know, each week. You were talking last week about um, DeMar showing real strides in the communication piece. And I'm curious, when Michael went out and without Trey for most of the season until he got back, has, did that impact the way that you guys were able to, you know, do some things pre-snap in terms of disguising the, the, the looks that, for the most part, well, you've been here, teams have talked about how well you guys have been here. Oh, yeah, man, it definitely uh, affected uh, some things. But, you know, DeMar's only in his second season. So here you are thrust into the starting lineup, and not only do you have to get lined up properly, you got to help other people get lined up uh, because of the absence of a, of a mic. And then sometimes Jordan wasn't out there either. So uh, there was a lot put on his plate. Uh, he's gotten better, as I mentioned before. Uh, but, yeah, it, it definitely affected some of the things we wanted to be able to do. And, and rightfully so. I mean, he's a young safety who's still learning. When Micah and Jordan started off their first year with us, they were similar in some ways as far as their growth was concerned. So uh, it's a natural progression. And he's gotten better. And a year from now, he'll be even better. You know, we'll be able to do more things from a disguise standpoint. But that's 
just a, a product of where we are. Along those lines, how much, does it, more? how much does it help DeMar that Micah chose to stay here? And, you know, I just saw him out here working on something just after practice, but how invaluable can that be for DeMar that Micah chose not to go somewhere else and he's here, he can ask him, you know, whatever he wants, basically whenever he wants. I, I think it's been invaluable uh, in a lot of ways. The fact that he's in the meetings, he's at practice. I see him in those guys here all the time, talking to him, uh, just paint a picture of some things that he sees. And then uh, when, 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 when he's at the games, you know, he's talking to us. I, I was watching him on the sideline in our game. And, of course, it's freezing cold out there. And there he is talking to our safeties about where they are lining at, what he's seeing in between plays. I mean, that, you, you, I mean that's, that's so important uh, for young safeties uh, for, to have a, a, a Pro Bowl player uh, spending that much time and just sharing some of his wisdom with you. It has to have helped uh, DeMar for sure, and I'm sure with Cam Lewis and Daquan as well. I mean, I'm sure it helped those guys also. All right, that's Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, addressing the media after practice today. A lot of questions about Buffalo secondary from the media, undoubtedly because they know this is probably the stiffest test that that secondary is going to face all season long. I mean, the Chiefs receiving core, I think, and maybe the Dolphins are the only two that come close to this one. Because one, two, and three, I don't think anybody can match the one, two, and three that the Bengals put out on the field right. in Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. The Chiefs are as good an offense as the Bengals, maybe as good as anybody, probably better than anybody. But from a talent perspective, they're a little bit though? different than this than this crew. And even Miami, they go with Jalen Waddle and they got um, Tyreek. They don't have like Tyler Boyd next, you yeah. know. Um, they got Gasicki, but that's you know he's an afterthought in that offense. Yeah, this is a different kind of animal. They're very good. They've got a quarterback that is gifted physically with an arm and a head, and he is Joe Cool. He he's going to take what's there. And it's hard not to leave something uncovered when you're playing defense in the NFL against three guys like this. Uh, I, it's, it is an enormous challenge. Uh, and uh, particularly at this point of the season, when you've got everything in front of you, you know how good they are, and so do they. And they also know their limitations. So whatever they, they're not confident in or what they're not sure of, they've, they've, it's been looked at and tried against them. Right. So they got a plan. Um, it's really – it's formidable to take on a team like this this late in the year, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Now, certainly the Bills, I mean, they've been here before. This is, uh, you know, you go back to Kansas City. They held them to 20 points early in the season. Yeah. Um, they've done it to other really good teams, you know, but they also got nicked for 29 points against Miami, and the Minnesota Vikings scored 33 on them. It's going to be hard, man. Well, your tackling has to be sound because even if you're allowing completions, if you can minimize the yards after, after the catch, you go a long way toward beating the Bengals, and that's because the Bengals are fourth in the league in yards after the catch this season. If you limit that, you might get some situations that give you an opportunity to get off the field right. or at least force a field goal, things like that. If they're running free and then it's yards after the catch with this crew – you you better have to you're gonna have to score over 35 points to win the game. You're gonna be looking at heels and nameplates all day chasing yeah, them. Tail lights. Um, let's go to the OBL Friday fan mailbag, 
as we take your questions on the Bills or the league at large. And we lead off with Chris, who asks, well, he says, first of all, my wife and I are going to the game on Monday, and Tasker is my all-time favorite player. He visited my fourth-grade class. My question, though, is does Steve Tasker have a favorite memory playing the Bengals, and does he have one covering the Bengals as a broadcaster? Um, yeah, so the player memory, broadcast memory. The player memory I have is when they, uh, after they put us out of the championship game in 88, 89, they came in here, and it's when we were the bickering Bills, and Jim throws three first-quarter interceptions. Oof. And we beat them 35-10 or something like that. We oh, just, my gosh. We lumped them up. Uh, we hated those guys for what they did to us, get, keeping us out of the, champ, out of the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Uh, we, and that was the one time, too, when the team was in turmoil in the locker room, that kind of thing, where we all kind of said, let's go together. You know, it's the first thing that unified us was our hatred of the Bengals. And Sam Weish, who was a great dude. Uh, but we came together and beat them, lumped them up pretty good. And that – um, was my, my is my one lasting memory. I don't really remember even that too much about the championship game we lost in Cincinnati. As a covering the Bengals, you know the things that I think about with the Bengals are <clears throat> um, as a broadcaster were you know the way their organization is unique. It's still got the the family that bought it in the 1960s. The the Brown family still runs it. Paul Brown's son Mike is still there, although his his daughter and his son, uh, Katie Blackburn and, and, and her son, are it's a family-run operation. They, they love that team. They run it, uh, and they are doggedly committed to making it work. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a unique situation for that reason down in Cincinnati. And that's, that's kind of my memories as covering yeah. them as a, as a journalist. Not journalist, analyst. Andrew has this uh, from the OBL Friday fan mailbag. In 2021, we saw Dable hold back design QB runs until very late in the season in, quote, gotta-have-it games. What do you think, of anything, is Dorsey holding back for the Cincinnati game and the playoffs that we haven't seen on tape? Well, now you're asking me to be Kreskin here. I mean, Having not seen it on tape, I don't think there's much. Yeah, I think you'll get more of some stuff we haven't seen much of and some stuff that we haven't seen run out of the same formation, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Formation will be a wrinkle of two or three for this game, for sure. Because For sure. Yeah. I mean, you don't really hold anything back in any given week. Now, maybe come the second half of last week's game, for example, maybe yeah. you leave some stuff in the bag. He's probably repeating some plays yeah. instead of trying some new stuff. Yeah, sure, certainly. I this in this game, yeah, you're you're thinking at this point of the season if in a game like this, if you've got a a running play to Josh that you think could work or what yeah, you might call it this week rather than save it on mm -hmm. a fourth and short or a third and short or a, you know, an extend a drive kind of let's we got to have it kind of. Yes, absolutely. You might see that. Also, you'll see some of that uh with Maybe some personnel combinations, or maybe some plays uh, that you haven't seen. We've we've seen them use different personnel combinations, like Bobby Hart and that kind of thing. Yep. Maybe there's something out of that. I don't know, but it's that attitude. It's that kind of that attitude kind of game. Same thing from the Bengals. You may get some stuff out of them that we yep. haven't seen as well. And yeah, so it's the cat and mouse game we you, see every week. You just got to stay really disciplined. In with what you're looking at, your responsible. Don't forget about your responsibility because you think the play's going the other way. All of a sudden, you still got to kind of wait that half second to make sure you, it's not a throwback to your guy or that and that kind of stuff. Um, but yes, that is the kind of attitude you got to have. 
there's going to be some stuff in this game plan for both teams that they're going to roll out there that are one-time plays. Yeah, They'll roll it out in this game, and you won't ever see it again. We have to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to lay out for you some of the comments from Bengals slot receiver Tyler Boyd, who doesn't think too much of Buffalo's defense or secondary. We'll tell you what he said next here on One Pills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Building a game plan presented by United Rentals, the exclusive and official construction equipment rental partner of the Buffalo Bills. Steve, the game plan for the offense. I think, this, I think the Bills need to control this game with their offense. I think you got to treat it just like you treat a game with Kansas City. Anytime you make them punt or anytime you can get the ball away from them or keep them from points on their possession, you've got to capitalize on it. I think you've got to control the clock, control the amount of possessions both teams get, and you've got to be really more efficient than they are to stay on the field, extend your drives as much as you can, and do like they have done at the end of games where they control the clock, go down, score the winning points when their other te- the other team has no chance to get some the other way. I think Josh Allen and the offense are the keys to this game. Defense, for me, it's all about the front seven. Got to help those guys on the back end with some monster matchups. I think they got to get pressure on Burrow, speed up his internal clock, get some hits on him early, have them have him thinking about you hitting him rather than who's open in the pattern uh, or the route concept in the passing game. And that should go a long way in kind of neutralizing their effectiveness down to down series to series. We wanted to bring to you some of the comments from Bengals slot receiver Tyler Boyd. He was asked about the Bills' defense and said, quote, it's kind of basic. They don't do too much disguising. It's kind of straightforward. They don't do all the trickery things we've seen from a lot of defenses. But, again, man, they're playing us. Every team kind of prepares differently for us. I mean, we prepare for everything. We're ready for anything. Exotic looks, regular looks, we're all ready for it. Then he was asked about their secondary, um, and he wasn't all that impressed either. Right. So uh, he said (laughs) – he doesn't think they're too special. He said they're not the best secondary we've played this year. Bulletin board material? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely it is. Um, anytime you can get them to talk about you in a way that is not, you know, over-the-top complimentary, um, you construe it as disrespect. I mean, that's the way it works. Uh, you don't have to construe that too much. Um, you can – I'd like to – yeah, they'll say, okay, you don't think so? We'll see. That, and that's that's really – it lays down a challenge for the Bills secondary, no question. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no question about it. That it's, it's You can bet that's already made the rounds in the Bills locker room. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to work. You know, who knows if it's going to work. They can back it up. They're a good team, and you're going to have to play well to yeah. beat them. Bills by the Numbers podcast talks about the top seed this week. Check it on your podcast platform. Steve and I will be back for a full three-hour Monday show, an extended pregame for the Monday Nighter. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 